I want to talk to you today about one of the greatest abilities that God has given us. You know what it is? Prayer. Prayer. Praying to God, having this ability to, to talk with the Holy One, God. And you know, the older I get, I start to realize that I think there is very little spiritual good things that happen without someone praying. Either it's you're praying or someone you don't even know is praying for you, even if you're not aware of it. I want to tell you a story about this 17-year-old, and I'm not going to show his picture right now to give it away. There's a 17-year-old boy. He, was, he grew up a couple hundred years ago. It's a long time ago. And like a lot of us when we were 17, we wondered to ourselves, do we really follow this God thing? Like his parents were Christians, but is that what I believe? And he was a little bit on the fence like often we are in those teenage years. Well, one day it says that this, this boy, this teen, he was bored one afternoon. And you know, a couple hundred years ago, when you're bored, you didn't, you didn't have the ability to go on, on your phone. You didn't have the ability to go on the internet or to watch Netflix. And so you had a little less, less entertainment to do. And so this, this teenager, he, he decided, I'm going to read a book to pass the time. And so he goes into his father's uh, office looking for a book. And on the table, he sees this little gospel pamphlet. like a go- We used to call it gospel tract. And it would, uh, in that tract, it would lay out that God loves you, that sin separated you from God. Jesus died for your sins if you believe in him. And this, this teen, he had, read, he had read these things before, but he wasn't very interested in the gospel currently. And so he thought to himself, he said, you know, usually in those little pamphlets, they start off with a cool story, right? They suck you in on the story, and then they go into starting to preach to you. So he thought, I'm just going to start reading the story, and when the preaching comes, I'm just going to toss it aside. What he didn't realize was that at that same moment, 80 miles away, his mother, who was visiting some family for about a month or so, she just gets this feeling in that afternoon that she needs to pray for her son, pray that he would receive Jesus, that he would say yes to him. And so even though she's at someone else's house, she she shuts the door, she goes into her room, and she gets on her knees with the intention of praying until she felt like something had changed. And so she's in there one hour, two hours, three hours, and eventually this peace comes over her, and she knows that something has happened. It's okay. And so she gets up and goes about her day. And you know what happened in that moment? This, this teenage guy, he was reading his little pamphlet. And instead of stopping when the story ended, something gripped his heart in that moment. And he kept reading. And for some reason, it was different this time. For some reason, he felt that God actually did love him. God did want to save him. And he put his trust in the Lord that day. And you know, the funniest thing is, is his mom didn't come home for another couple weeks because they didn't even have telephones in this day. This is the early 1800s. And so a couple weeks later, his mom is coming home and this guy, he's getting ready to see his mother and he knows she'll be so happy 
to hear the news. And when he sees her, he says, Mom, I've given my life over to the Lord when you were gone. And you know what she said? She said, yes, my son, I already knew in the spirit. And that, that, teenage, that teenage boy went on to put his trust and faith in Jesus and pray prayers that he saw miracles too. And his name was, and I have a picture of him, his name was Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor became one of the most famous missionaries to China. He, he inspired thousands of people to get out of their comfort zone and to go off and to share the news of Jesus overseas and beyond. There's power in prayer today. We say it too often though, don't we? And it just becomes this cliche, oh, there's power in prayer. As if like that's the, we just, we pray when there's nothing else we can do. But I really believe there's something special about prayer. I want to take you to Mark chapter 9. And Jesus, he's coming down from this mountain with a couple of his disciples. And he comes down to find the rest of his disciples arguing with these religious people. And there's this father and son there. And Jesus says, what, what's going on down here? And the father of this boy, he comes and says, teacher, I tried I asked your disciples to cast this demon out of my son. My son can't see, he can't hear, he rolls, he has these convulsions. And I asked your disciples to cast out the demon and they couldn't. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And it says as, as the boy is coming, this demon like takes over again and he has this episode where he starts rolling on the floor and foam's coming out of his out of his mouth. And here I want to start in verse 21. This is where we pick up. Jesus says, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. I love what he says. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit and he said, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And then it says the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. And a murmur ran through the crowd. They said, he's dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. You see, the disciples earlier in Jesus' ministry, he had commissioned them and given them this power to go. It said, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And they went and did it. And so they assumed that if they did it then, they could do it now, but they couldn't because of this key thing that our power comes through 
our relationship with Him. It's not inherent to just who we are all the time. They thought as believers they could just cast out any old thing they wanted to. But our power comes from when we're close to the source, relationally with him. Do you notice how Jesus, after a big day, he would always, he would go out by himself to pray, to connect, to connect with his father? And you know, you may have had an experience with God many years ago. Maybe he saved you. Maybe you had an encounter with him. And that is so great. And I know it's probably changed the course of your life. But having said that, what God did in the past in your life doesn't matter so much as what is your relationship with him right now? To put it, to give an analogy, if someone said, came to me and said, you know, five years ago I used to go to the gym and work out regularly, consistently, but you know, just because you went five years ago, it doesn't make you strong now, unless you keep it up. And I want to talk to you today two practical things when it comes to prayer that I really want to hit home today. If we want to see breakthrough in our life, if we want to go farther and say, God, I'm tired of just being where I'm at right now, you might possibly need to do these two things. And the first one is, number one is this, prevail in prayer. Prevailing means persevering. Not stopping. You know what prevailing prayer is? It's simply this. It's simply praying until the answer comes. Prevailing prayer will overcome any obstacle. It won't get discouraged and stop when the answer doesn't come immediately. Did you know that Jesus, he encourages us to pray and not give up? In Luke 18 One, it says this, it says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And he tells this story about this widow, and someone had wronged her, and so she took her case to this judge. And she said, hear about my case, I've been wronged, make it right. And you know, the judge, he didn't really care about people, he didn't care about giving justice, and so he says, eh, He doesn't even worry about her. He doesn't think about her. But you know, she keeps coming again and again. Please, sir, give me justice. Please, please. And he says finally, he's like, I don't care about this woman's case, but just to get her off my back, I will hear her out. And you know what Jesus says? He said, even he, that judge, rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. What Jesus isn't saying is, he's not saying that God is like that judge. Sometimes we could read that into that parable and think, is God, you know, I have to keep pestering God, and then he'll find like, okay, I'll give you your request. I'll answer your prayer. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. But he's saying, be like that woman. Be like that woman who never gave up. She persevered. She prevailed in prayer. And I know you guys are very nice. You're nice to me, right? You you don't always say what you're thinking. 
because you don't want to hurt me, and I appreciate that. But I know some of you are thinking right now, Pastor, you just, you don't know my story. I've been praying for decades for that one situation, for that loved one, and it seems like nothing has happened. And I'm going to be the first one to say, I, I don't know why God doesn't always answer our prayers when we want Him to. But I do know that sometimes there are things going on in the background that we don't notice that are required to happen for that prayer to be answered. There are some things we have to persevere over when we are praying. Number one, we have to persevere sometimes over ourselves. Sometimes when we ask God things, our hearts aren't right. (laughs) Sometimes our motives are a little off, and sometimes... God has to get our hearts right before he can do other things. Sometimes we have to persevere over others. God has given all of us to a degree, a degree of free will. We have choices to make. We can choose between right and we can choose between wrong. Someone once said to me, there's no such thing as forced love. You know, as soon as you force someone to love you, I don't know how you could do that, then it's, by definition, it's not really love. Because love is a choice. And what did God ask? What was his biggest thing that he asked us to do? He said, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. And so, when we're praying over situation or people that involve other people, God typically doesn't override our free will, but he does work and soften our hearts. He uses situations to bring about change in our lives, and that sometimes takes time. We also have to persevere over situations. You know, sometimes our prayers, if they were really to be answered, even if they're in the will of God, it requires A lot of complicated things to come together and align perfectly. And sometimes that doesn't just happen. And lastly, sometimes we need to persevere over Satan. I used to sometimes pray to God. I would say, God, even just for a moment, could you give me a glimpse into the spiritual realm? Because I feel like if I could see what was going on in the spirit, there would be a new fresh urgency to my prayers to know how to fight off the enemy. You know, I can see you all sitting here today in the physical, but I don't always, I don't know what's going on in the spiritual realm because there are battles being fought day in and day out that affect you and I. And The book of Daniel gives us a rare glimpse into that reality. You see, Daniel didn't just fall into a lion's den. That wasn't the only thing he did, okay? (laughs) Or I guess he was pushed in. It wasn't his fault. But in the book of Daniel, there is one time when Daniel is crying out to God, and he's saying, God, I need an answer. I need an answer. And he, he needed that answer so badly, he started fasting giving up food. He was praying, and it said he prayed for 21 days, three weeks, and he still didn't get an answer. I don't know. Do you have that same kind of determination that when you don't get that answer right off the bat, 
you just kind of stop, right? The story goes is that at the end of those 20-some days, this angel finally shows up with this message. Here's what it says in Daniel 10, 12 to 13. He said, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I've come in answer to your prayer, but the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. One thing I need to tell you about, if just from reading this, you might not understand what's going on, but in some translations, it makes it a little easier. It's not talking about a physical king of Persia. It's not talking about a man. It's talking about a demon. This, this spiritual dark force that is over around this, this nation at this time called Persia. And so in plain English, what happened was Daniel prayed the first day, an angel was sent, but the angel was stopped and hindered because of this demonic power that didn't want him to deliver to Daniel. You know, it says the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so they're fighting it out, and he has to call this other angel, Michael, and they fight it out for those three weeks, and finally, they prevail, and the angel gets to deliver the message to Daniel. And you know, when I first read that story, that's not a story you find in Sunday school class, (laughs) is it? (laughs) It's crazy. It really is a crazy story. But when I read that story... My first question was, what if Daniel had stopped praying before the angel came? You know, like, what if Daniel had got to day five and realized, you know, it doesn't look like God's showing up today. I'm going to go home now. I wonder, I wonder, would the angel have still had victory over that demonic power? if he had stopped praying. Our prayers are like ammunition. That is why we pray. That's why God tells us to pray and to intercede for people in situations. There was this, this man, another man of prayer. His name was George Mueller. And he lived in the Victorian era. And he didn't have much, but he gave... And he prayed, and God used him to help with the orphans in that town of Bristol. And one day, George Mueller, he decides that he's going to pray for five of his friends. These are five friends that don't really know the Lord, and he wants them to become Christians. And so he starts praying every single day their names. And they said that after about 18 months, the first one, says yes to God. Five years later, the second one says yes to God. A year after that, the third one says yes to God. And 25 years of daily praying, the fourth one comes to know the Lord. And some 50, 52 years after he had made that commitment, George Mueller, now in his early 90s, dies. 
And they say that it wasn't very long after George Mueller's death that that final and fifth friend said yes to the Lord. Do you have any 50-year-old prayer requests? Do you? Because if we want to see things in life, we got to prevail, friends. We got to say, we got to grab that bull by the horns and say, I'm not letting go until you give an answer, God. You know, sometimes God doesn't always give us the answer we want. And that's okay. But we should still prevail until we have an answer. So prevailing in prayer. And number two, sometimes there are, there are times in life when just prevailing and going in for the long haul, sometimes there are situations that come up when you need a little extra oomph. <laughs> I don't know how to say that theologically better than that. And sometimes you need to fast. You know, and fasting is temporarily giving something up Something good, something necessary in order to pursue what is even greater, God in his face. You know, fasting often in the Bible was, it was often food they would give up, but it's anything, anything that is keeping you from him. Do you know, you notice how sometimes in life we just have a lot of things going on. And have you ever, I don't know, it's been a while since some of you have been in school, um, but uh, I'm sorry, Rhea. <laughs> that didn't come out right. I'm sorry, folks. That was rude. <laughs> but have you ever had an assignment that was creeping up or even a deadline at work? You have this big deadline, and the closer you get to it, you start getting a little stressed. And you start realizing, oh, I can't watch, I can't watch my show tonight. i got to work on that thing. And the closer you get to the deadline, the more things you start pushing away so that you can work on that project. And that's something what fasting does, in a way. It's getting desperate and serious and saying, God, I know food is good. But I'm even pushing that aside right now so I can seek your face. Fasting demonstrates our depth of desire. It shows that we're, we're serious. And it also, fasting, it helps us focus on hearing God. I find it interesting in in the book of Acts, chapter 13, it says, One day, as the men, these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands, they commissioned them, and they sent them on their way. I find it so interesting that they were already fasting, and then God spoke to them. And you know how sometimes... In the, in the physical, medical world, sometimes people will fast to detox their body. They will abstain from all those yummy foods that they love that aren't super healthy. They'll push them all out, and maybe they'll just do juice, maybe they'll do nothing at all, and then their body will have this detox, this cleanse. And you know, fasting is when we, we say no to all those other things for that moment so that our attention is on Him. 
I'm going to tell you something very profound. (laughs) But it's this. You're going to have better luck hearing from God if you're actively listening for him. (laughs) Right? I mean, have you ever walked through a forest and you're just on a hike, you know, you're just thinking about where you got to get to go, where you got to go, to whatever. (laughs) And then, have you ever just taken that moment to stop, even close your eyes, and just stand in a forest and just listen? You hear all these little sounds that you never even knew were there. Because you took the time to block all that other stuff out and just to listen. Fasting. You know what fasting is not? Fasting isn't, <laughs> it's not us being more righteous. It doesn't give us, you know, extra, extra, extra stickers in God's book. It's not a hunger strike against God. It's not twisting his arm. Oh, see, I'm fasting. You have to listen to me now. No. You got to come to it with this posture of humility that says, God, you don't have to answer me if you don't want to, but I'm just coming here because I need an answer. I need an answer. I remember a few years ago, I was still at Bible college, and there was this time, there was this friend I had, and this friend really needed to hear from God. I'm not going to get into the details of the situation, but they needed to hear from God, and I knew that I couldn't tell them what they needed to hear. God had to speak speak it to themselves, to them. And I was kind of involved in this situation, so it, I had some personal vested interest in this. And it started to bother me so much that I decided, you know, I said, I'm going to Pray and fast about this. I love food. <laughs> I love food, and fasting's hard. <laughs> I can do it, but I love my food. <laughs> but you know, Jesus said sometimes man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And sometimes there are times when there are more important things than me getting my next meal. And so this time I decided I was going to pray and fast. And so I started praying and fasting that God would speak to this person about and give them an answer. I fast one day. I fast two days. At the end of two days, I get this this sense. I could say it's, I felt like the Lord was saying three more days and it will be done. And so I fasted those three more days. And at the end of those five days, it was January 18th. And it looked like nothing had happened. You know, I broke my fast, I started eating again, but it looked like nothing had happened, nothing had changed. About two weeks rolls by, and this person comes to me and says, a number of nights ago, God spoke to me in a dream and told me what I must do. And Dave, the reason I didn't come to you earlier was because I didn't like the answer. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want that to be the case. But I know that this is what God wants. My prayers were answered. And so as we were, as we were about to leave this conversation, they were about to go, I said, oh, by the way, one question. What day did God come to you in that dream? 
And they were thinking back for a moment, trying to think of the days, and they said, it was January 18th that God gave them that dream. I'm nothing special. I want to tell you that. I'm no more special in the eyes of God than you are. And I can promise you this. If you start taking God at his word, if you start trusting him and, you know, grab the bull by the horns and say, God, I won't let you go. You're going to have stories like that, that you can tell your kids and grandchildren about what God did in your life, how he shows up in the most miraculous of ways. You know, winter's coming, right? And uh, if you're cold in your house in the wintertime, how can you get warm? You know, you could, you could put on an extra sweater. You could wrap yourself in a blanket. You could drink a cup of hot coffee or something. But you know what I would do? I'd probably just go to the thermostat and turn up the heat. I'd go stoke the fire and add a, add a stick And get that fire roaring again. And I feel right now, at this time, church, it is time for us to turn up the heat in our spiritual lives. To press forward. And so, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want to leave a choice for you today. Your choice is... Do you want more of God? Are you seeking Him? Do you want breakthrough in your life? Do you want to overcome that habitual addiction that you can't seem to get rid of? Do you want to just have this love for God that you admit you don't have right now? If so, we're going to have, we're going to do similar to what we did last week. We're going to have some, our ministry team up here, and Glenn, if you would like to come, we're just going to have a time to seek God's face. Are you in need of a breakthrough today? Are you really in need of a breakthrough? Are you just tired of being where you're at right now? And say, God, I need to go higher. I want to be free. If that is you today, I would encourage you to come forward and get prayer. Because prayer is powerful. Things can be changed when prayer is made. And so we're going to just, we're just going to rest in the presence of the Lord for the next few minutes, and we're going to have some prayer. If you like, would like to come now, prayer team, we're just going to have some people standing up, and if you feel like, I don't want to go out of those doors without a change, a change that God can do, then why don't you come?